John chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 26 through 40 this morning. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And he said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me will by no means be, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from, from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. For this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but shall raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We have been studying the, the book of John, and in this, this last chapter, we have seen just incredible things take place. You see these, these people come, and they're, they're being healed. I mean, all of them, I mean, multitudes of people being healed of all kinds of sickness, all kinds of diseases, people who are blind being made able to see, people who are lame being made able to walk. All kinds of diseases are being healed, and, and the people just keep coming, and they keep being healed. And the Lord is just doing incredible works as the people are following him. And we see that there's those that have come, and Jesus sees these, these 5,000 men and all of the women and children as well probably over 20,000 people with, with no food and they're hungry. And we watch as he just miraculously feeds the, the 5,000 men and their wives and their kids as well as he multiplies the fish and the loaves. And you, you read this and it's just, it's incredible. I mean, as, as the disciples are looking on and they're, they're just seeing like, surely he is God. Surely this is the, the son of God. Who, who else does things like this as he's making loaves and causing mo- loaves just to multiply and just feeding and feeding and feeding fish, feeding and feeding and feeding all of the people. And the people are eating this bread, and you, you, you got to imagine that this bread that Jesus is making is surely the, the, the best bread that they have ever had. The people are loving it, and the disciples are sent to the other side of the, the, the Sea of Galilee, and, and, and you watch, and Jesus sends them away, and a storm comes, and he sends them away knowing that this storm is going to come, and they're out there, and they're panicking, and and what does he do? He comes to them walking on the water. 
and they see him. You see Peter, and he, he, he asks Christ to bid him to come out to him, and, and he starts to walk, and then he sees all the waves, and, and his faith is lost, and he starts to sink, and, and Jesus just reaches out and grabs him and pulls him up, and they, they get into the boat. And as we looked at last week, you hear Christ just saying, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? These people, the disciples as well as the multitudes, are seeing just incredible works that Christ is doing. Well, now they're, they're, they're following him. We went through verse 27 last week, but looking again at, at verse 26, um, Jesus comes and, and he says to them, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, for the food, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. You, you're coming. Here's these multitudes. These multitudes have gone from the other side of the sea. They've journeyed to where Christ is once again. The boats have come across. People have walked towards him. There's the multitudes that are there before him. And, and Jesus is saying, you're coming not because... You've seen the signs and you desire to follow me. It's not that you've seen these things and all of these miracles and it's just, my Lord and my God, I, I, I want to follow you. you. You are following me. You're coming because you ate the loaves and were filled. You're coming because you want something from me. You want food. You want more bread. This is what you want. He knows exactly what's taking place in their hearts. You're not coming because you're looking to me for salvation. You're coming because you're hungry again. I fed you yesterday and you ate the loaves and there was 12 baskets that were left over and you were full. Every last one of you was full, but now you're hungry again. And so you're coming because you want more food. Do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Don't labor. Don't go so hard after things that you're full today and it's gone tomorrow and you're hungry again. But labor for one who makes it so that it endures to everlasting life. It satisfies you to everlasting life. So they say to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God. What do we do? I mean, you hear all that Christ is saying. Don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, with the, which the Son of Man will give you. And their response is, okay, so what do we do? What do we do? What shall we do that we may work the works of God? What do you want from us? What do you want us to do? And you look at this and it's just like religion in general. What do I need to do? What works can I do? If I, if I obey these five pillars or if I accomplish these things or if I have this many good works in my life, what do I need to do to make it so that I do the works of God? What do I need to do? Anybody who 
is looking at their life and just saying, what, what do I need to do to make it so that I for sure can spend eternity in heaven? What do I need to do? And here's the response of Jesus. He says to them, this is the work of God. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. What an incredible, incredible verse before us. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. You want to know what the works of God is? You want to know what it is that you need to do? Believe. Believe. Have faith in Christ. Have faith in him whom he sent. Christ. Have faith in Christ. I love this because it's the gospel. We look at this and we, we look at our lives and we say, what do I need to do? What do I need to accomplish? What is it that, that I need to do to make it so that, that I do the works of God? And it's just believe in him. Believe in him. Believe in Christ. Aren't you glad it says that and not anything else? It's just amazing when you look at what Christ says here. It's just believe. You, you see it all throughout Scripture as far as pointing to this salvation that would come. Salvation that comes by faith alone. We've looked at, at those that were bitten in the wilderness. And, and, and they're there and, and they've, they've been bitten. And they've been bitten by these fiery serpents. And, and they're dying. Everybody who's being bitten is, is, is dying. And what does God call them to do? Put a bronze serpent in the middle of the camp. Anyone who looks at it will be saved. Just by looking at that bronze serpent there on the pole will be saved. It's not a matter of here's all the things that you need to do. Here's all the works that need to be accomplished. And then you see Christ saying that that was him. That represented him. Looking to him to have that poisonous bite removed that you might live. All through scripture you see that we are saved by faith. And his answer is glorious. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Believe. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? You hear the multitudes saying this. Here he is. He just he just presented to them the gospel just Believe. And their response is, do, do a trick. Do some kind of sign. I want to see something. Do something. I mean, he's just walked on water. He just multiplied fish and loaves. He's made people who are blind their entire lives or crippled their entire lives healed, able to see, able to walk, able to hear, able to speak. He's caused those who were dead to rise again from the dead. He's accomplishing just incredible miracles and they're there and they're listening and they're hungry and they want the loaves. He knows their hearts. But they're saying, do a trick. Do a miracle. Do something so that we can see it. We want to see something. Do something. And then they go from there to say, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
They go right back to, and we're still hungry. We're hungry. You fed us yesterday. You made it so that we had the most incredible bread and the most incredible fish. You, you fed us and our wives and our children, all of us. You fed us the most incredible meal. But, but Moses, he, he gave us manna from heaven. He gave us bread. And our people ate it every day for 40 years. They had this bread every day. You gave us bread one time. But Moses, he gave us bread every day for 40 years as we were in the wilderness. He gave us this bread. They go right to, to please feed us again. Give us more. We want food. Let's look at the story in, as, as the, the account that's been told to us in, in Exodus chapter 16. If you turn there with me for a moment. Exodus chapter 16. To help us in, in looking at the entirety of if our passage here in John, to look at, at what these people are, are talking about. Now you remember that God had just delivered his people from the Egyptians. He caused the sea to, to split and divided the Red Sea. The, his people walked through. They who were slaves in Egypt have been released. All of his people going, going through the, the Red Sea and all of the armies of, of Pharaoh consumed in the water as they tried to walk through as well. Songs of praise that have gone forth from his people. I mean, what an incredible sight that must have been for God's people. I mean, you see them and just the, the lack of faith that's there. Like, they're cornered between the, the Red Sea and the armies of the, the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen and, and all of their weaponry. And they're there and they're stuck and there's no place to go. And, and you hear the people like, did you bring us out here to die? Is that why you brought us out here to die? And then... God has the, the sea just divide. They walk through. They're celebrating in the most incredible way. But you look at, at, at chapter 15, and it's just like a, a, a huge song of praise that God's people give. I'll sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength, and he's become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. I mean, you see that they, they just break into just this glorious song of, of, of praise. And now they're hungry in chapter 16. In verse 2, it says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you've brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Oh, if we... If we never walked through that sea, if you hadn't had all the plagues come upon the Egyptians, if you didn't do this, if you, if you wouldn't have saved us and just left us there to die there, at least we had some food. And they're just complaining and complaining and complaining. I mean, you see right into the heart of man. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them 
whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day when they, that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And then Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. For he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. So then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to the all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning. And it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses, and he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid it up till morning, and Moses, as Moses commanded, and it did not... Um, And it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. And then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be be none. And then in verse 31 it says, And the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like white corner seed, and the taste of it was, was like wafers made with honey. So there it is. There's the account. This is what they're talking about. They're saying, Moses, when our people were there in the wilderness, he gave them, he gave them manna to eat. You can picture the, the, the people there, and they're complaining and complaining, and, and God just comes down and, and, and says, here, here's what I'm going to do for you. 
I heard your complaints. And I'm going to provide for you bread from heaven. I'm going to give you bread. Every morning when you come out, there will be bread there. And it's going to taste like, like wafers with, with, made with, with honey. There will be a sweetness there. It will be white and it will be there. And you'll come out there and say, what is it? Meaning manna. What is this? Manna. God did this for his people. He caused it to rain down from heaven. You look at this and it's, it's grace. You think of the manna that's there. I mean, coming out, you, you, you come, you're, you're hungry. You, you go out and you look and it's there all over the ground. Whatever you want to take, you take. As much as you need for you and for your household, you take it and you eat it. And it's sweet and it's perfect and it's satisfying. It's all that you could ever need. You don't see these people, I mean, for 40 years, they're not saying, well, gosh, this diet is, is such that, you know, we're, we're so deficient in these particular vitamins, and we need this, or we need that. I mean, if, for, for us, if, if, if we ate bread every day, there'd be issues. We need vegetables, we need fruit, we need other things to be there within our diet. But that, not when God provides something like this. He gives them this manna, and it's there, and you just go, and you taste it, you pick it up. In the morning, you take it, you eat it, and it's sweet like honey. And it's there every single day. I mean, he specifically says, don't, don't store it overnight. It'll be there the next day. Don't take more than what you need for that day. Why would he do that? <laughs> Why make a rule like that? Why not say, okay, once a week, I'm going to do this and put it in your house and store it, you know? He wants them totally and completely dependent upon him daily. He wants them to be in such a place that they know our God provides for us. Our God loves us. Our God works miraculously. He has bread come down from heaven and they could go out and they can, they can take it and they can eat it. But he says on the Sabbath day, you're not to work. You're not to go out and take it. So take what you need for, for that day and the next day on the Sabbath and, and that won't stink and be filled with worms. All the other stuff, stunk. Filled with worms. But not on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, there was none that was there on the ground. The eight was that it was there the previous day, and that was the only day that you could store it. And you look at this, it's just, it's amazing when you read what God does for his people, and you look and you see this, and you look and you see that there's a reason why he is doing this. You look and you see this, this, this manna, and it is not the product of earth. It's not something that they were able to make. It's not the product of work. It's not something where they, God said, okay, here's what you're going to need to do. You know, dig a hole down 10 feet, and then you're going to find this. It is not the product of work. It's not the product of earth. It is the free gift from the Lord. God's people, they can never pay for it. It wasn't where, where they were to go down and, and, and take this and, and, and pay for it. it. It was simply just a free gift that was given to them. They didn't deserve it. I mean, you, you think about it, they just have been delivered from slavery, taken through the Red Sea, waters made sweet. He does incredible works, and they're still complaining. It wasn't that God looked at them and they, they've earned it. They've earned it. They deserve this. 
It is all of grace that they get any of this manna. His people are hungry. They're in need of food. And he gave them all that was sufficient that they would need for 40 years. In Deuteronomy 8.3 it says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. He humbled you. God made it so there was no bread. God made it so that they needed food. God humbled them to a place where they were incredibly hungry so that they would know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In Deuteronomy 8.16, it says, He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. That last part, I think, is important for us. He humbled you and tested you so that he would do you good in the end. He was working through that particular situation as they're there in the wilderness for a specific reason. Now let's go back to John 6, 32. Jesus says to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Moses, surely I say to you, it wasn't Moses that gave that to you. Here, they're looking and saying, Moses gave us this. He gave us bread every morning for 40 years. And Jesus just says, it wasn't Moses that gave that to you. You're missing the point. It wasn't Moses. That was not the work of man. That was not the work of Moses. This is God who gave that to them every morning. God told them, this is what I'm going to do. God told them, go out and do this. Get it in the morning and don't take more than what you need for that particular day. God told them, take enough for the Sabbath. God told them, this is what I was going to do. It wasn't Moses that was doing this. And so Jesus says, it wasn't him. It wasn't Moses. But my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Incredible passage. But Jesus is saying, I am the manna. What, what the Israelites ate there in the desert, when they were there and they were hungry and they needed something, and, and, and there was white bread and it was sweet to the taste, and he provided for them every single day. I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. It's who I am, Christ says. He goes in says specifically, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the one that's, that's like that manna where you eat from me and you're satisfied. You're satisfied and there's a sweetness that is to it. And every morning it is there and it goes on to everlasting life. You'll never need to eat again if you feast from me. I'm the one that will fill you. I am the one that will satisfy you. We, we, we look at this and it's just, it's, it's Christ saying, this is who I am. 
How often are there people who look to God as far as like, well, what have you done for me lately? Why are there these circumstances in my life? Why is this happening in my life? And there's complaint after complaint after complaint that goes against them. And, and do a trick. Show me a sign. Do something. And Jesus is saying, I'm the true bread. Eat of me. Eat of me. I'm the true bread that, that, that the Father has given you from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I'm the one that can give life to you. The man of white just symbolizing purity, sweet to the taste. It's Christ to us, isn't it? For, for those of us who are believers here this morning, I could speak, I think, on behalf of all of us and say, you have tasted of him. You believe in him. Your hope is in him. Christ to you is the bread that you have eaten of to where you know that you have everlasting life. And you're not looking for something that's a substitute, are you? I mean, none of us as believers are looking and saying, like, well, he's, he's great and all, but I, you know, I'm kind of looking for a little bit more. None of us do that, do we? I mean, we, we look to Christ and we say, he's God. He's the creator of this entire universe. He speaks things into existence. He made us. He's at all places at all times. He knows our thoughts when they're still afar off. He leads us and he guides us and he's a shepherd and he loves us and he takes us to still waters and to green pastures. He restores our souls. He makes us who are blind able to see him and he, he causes us to, to hear his word and his word doesn't return void and he makes us new creations in him and he takes all of our sin, every sin that you've ever committed, that you ever will commit, that you ever could possibly commit and he hurls it into the depths of the sea. He doesn't remember it anymore. He takes perfect righteousness and he puts it on your account. He makes you righteous. He makes you without sin, without any sin and you have perfect righteousness as if you had obeyed all of the law because he obeyed all of the law. He makes it so that you're, you're not just forgiven or, or given righteousness, but he adopts you into his family. He makes it so that you're his own people. He tells us that he makes us his bride. He tells us he's gone to prepare a place for us, and if it wasn't so, he would have told us. He tells us that, that, that we get to spend eternity with him, that we get to enter into the joy of the Lord and spend eternity with him. He tells us that he blesses us with every, he blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I mean, you look at our salvation, you just think there's no, there's no condemnation that's coming upon us ever. No wrath that we would ever experience. Because he took all of it upon himself on the cross. He took all of the wrath, all of the condemnation that we could ever experience upon himself. The price that we deserve to pay for our sin, he took upon himself. And he, he gives us life. Eternal life, and none of us hears that and says, yeah, that's good and all, but you know, like I really wish I could do more work. None of us thinks that way. We look and we say, like, you're, you're, like, you're like the manna that they came down and they just ate every day and they were satisfied and there was a sweetness that was to it. You always provided it. And Jesus is saying, I'm the true bread. I'm making it so that you eat of me and 
It's for all eternity. I'll satisfy you for all eternity. And we look at this, and he's, he's speaking specifically to these people. Eat of me. This is who I am. For us, it's, it's Christ that is our bread from heaven. He is the one that satisfies us. He is the one that consumes us. You look and Paul says in Galatians, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Uh, the, nothing in this world matters. N- nothing. Not, not the leeks, not the onions, not the meat, nothing. All that matters is Christ and him crucified, the bread of life. That's my whole world revolves around Christ and him crucified. You hear Paul say in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's all that matters to us. I mean, we look and things could be falling apart all around us, but we look and we say, but we've eaten of him. Our hope is in him. Our faith is in him. He's given us new life and I get to spend all eternity with him and everything else can go just in shambles, but the fact is, is that I have Christ, and that's all I need. I have Christ. I'll spend eternity with him. Well, they say to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And they're not thinking of him. They're hearing what he's saying, and, and, and hearing that, 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 that he says, bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world and they're saying well give us this bread always just like just like the Israelites had bread for 40 years every single day give us this bread always and Jesus says to them I am the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst You see, the Israelites, and they're thirsty there in the wilderness, or they're hungry there in the wilderness, and I provided for them. But I'm the bread of life. You'll never want anything more if you have me. But I said to you that you have seen me, and you yet do not believe. Here they're there, and they... They just want more bread. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the multiplication of loaves and fish. You've seen these things, and yet you do not believe. Their hearts were so hard that all they cared about was do something for me now, do a trick, do something. But look at John 6, 37. It goes from there and Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You look at the circumstances here and you hear Jesus say, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. That you believe in him. We look and we see in Scripture over and over again, it's, it's by faith alone. Let, let me just read some passages to you. John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Or Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
Or, or Mark 16, verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. Or John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus is calling upon them, believe. It comes from believing in me. Your salvation is from faith in me. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. You still don't believe. And then there's just this incredible proclamation of the sovereignty of God in this next verse. Look at this. But all that the Father gives me will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. You don't believe. But all that the Father gives me will come to me. As believers here this morning, be assured you are a part of that all. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. It's glorious. When we look at our salvation, it's like, like he drew me. The Father gave me to Christ. I'm one of his sheep. brought me to him. He changed my heart. Made me able to see. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Notice the order. The Father gives and they'll come to me. In verse 38 it says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but shall raise it up at the last day. There is, within that verse, I think one of the most precious doctrines that you will find in Scripture. Security that is there for Christ. Perseverance that is there because of what he has done in our lives. I'm so thankful that my salvation is not dependent upon my abilities, my works. I'm so glad that I don't have to look at my life and say, well, how did last week go? Am I still okay? Have I still done enough? I'm so glad that I don't have to look at my life and look and just say, like, oh, man, I think that the bad stuff outweighed the good stuff this week. I think I'm in trouble. If I were to die today, I would be in trouble. It's not how God works. It's whosoever believes in him. And you look and... and Christ says, this is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing. I'll leave the 90 and 9 sheep, and I'll go get the one that went astray. The, the verses that come to my mind are just their glorious. Like, I began a good work in you, and I'll be faithful to complete it. I hold you in my hand. The Father who's greater than all holds you in his hand. There's no one that can snatch you away. 
I'm the author and I'm the finisher of your faith. Who could bring a charge against God's elect? When you go through scripture and, and, and you look, I mean, those that, that are in your mind where you're thinking, well, yeah, I know, I know that he says that, but what about, what about John? What about Joe? What about Susie? I know these people. They were at church. They used to come all the time. They've denied him. They've wandered completely away. They, they, they're not, they, they were Christians. I know they were Christians, but they're not anymore. And we would look to God's word and God will say things like, they went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out to make manifest that they were never of us. They maybe looked like it, but you look in Scripture and there is wheat and there's tares. You look in Scripture and you see that, that he says to those who said, didn't we do all of these things? works in your name, and his response is, depart from me. I never knew you. It wasn't like I, I knew you, but I never thought, I never thought you were going to do something like that. That's not his reaction. He said, I never knew you. I never knew you. I, I, I look at a passage like this, and it just, it just screams out just glory and just security that is there for us. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all He has given me, I should lose nothing. I won't lose any of them, but should raise it up at the last day. Their bodies will be raised up at the last day, and I will not lose one of them. Not one of them. And this is the will, verse 40, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. The bread of life. You eat of him. You believe in him. Your faith is in him. All that the Father has given him will come to him. And of those that have been given, he will lose none of them, but they will raise them up at the last day. What a powerful section of scriptures just declaring how great our God is. How great our salvation is. Look at this. I just I love that he saved me. I don't trust myself. You hear Paul saying things like what should I do? Should I... Should I go to heaven now or should I stay here? I don't know. I think it's more profitable for me to stay here. but It's far better to go there. I mean, if he didn't believe that he was eternally secure through the work of Christ, he would probably say something like, I'm doing really well right now, so I wish I would just die right now. This would be a good time to die because I don't ever want to have a chance of losing this. It'll just kill me now. He doesn't say that. They're like, oh, I think it's more important for me to be here for a little bit longer. To go there is much better, but I love that we can look and just say, like, it's everlasting life. It's eternal life. We are secure. You eat of him, you'll never hunger again. You'll never thirst again. Why? Because he makes you a new creation. He makes everything new. To think of 
our Christian faith. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. All of us once wanted to do it ourselves. All of us once either thought that we were okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need help. God's just a crutch. And then God, God worked in our hearts. And he showed us our sin. And he showed us that there was nothing that we could do to pay the price for our sin. Showed us the gospel. Did this incredible work in our hearts to bring us from a place of being a sinner to being a child of God. Made us a new creation in him. Bread of life. A new creation in him. To where you were radically changed. No condemnation. No sin. No guilt. Clothed with robes of righteousness. No wonder he says to these people, I, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. I pray that every person who is here this morning would hear those words and either believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and hope in him for our salvation or praise him that we believe in him for our salvation and our only hope is in him. He is the bread of life. He is the manna that came down. All of it was pointing to Christ who would fill us every day for all eternity. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise you for this great salvation that we have. And Lord, I, I, I thank you so much that we can feast upon you. I thank you that there's, there's, there's no place else to turn for anything that is better. You're perfect. You provide a salvation for us that is glorious, that is the only salvation. There's no way to improve upon it for it is perfect. All the glory for our salvation goes to you. It's you who saved us. It's you who called us. It's you who paid the price so that we could spend eternity with you. It's you who changed hearts and made people able to see all of the glory for our our salvation belongs to you. And we thank you, we thank you, we praise you and thank you for coming down, being the bread of life for us so that for all eternity, we can never be in need or in want of anything. May the praises of your people reflect our thankfulness this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name.